there are times when I think maybe a tapeworm would be awesome. <laughs> that would not be awesome. <laughs> that doesn't go away. Like short term. Right. Like getting rid of that thing. I don't want to look at it. I, I, I understand there are some adverse effects to that. But, you know, short term, mm-hmm. wow, this is great. I can have pizza and Italian beef every day. Right. I don't show, I don't show any of it, <laughs> and I don't have to exercise. It's car con carne. Car Con Carne, the world's only food podcast recorded in a car. Uh, that car is my Mazda 3. My Mazda 3 is parked by 103rd and Kedzie. Uh, today we're at Pops. They have Italian beef. Uh, I should mention this episode, we're recording this in the Beverly Mount Greenwood area. If you are in this area, I got you covered for the spring and summer. Gleason's Landscape is right here in that area, uh, beautifying America one house at a time since 1954. Family owned and operated, great business to support. Uh, look them up on Facebook to see some of their work and feel free to contact them for your free estimates. That is Gleason's Landscape. Uh, Pat McGann is my guest. He is a sitting shotgun. He is a comic, uh, a very funny guy, and also local to this area. I am. Thanks, man. I, I didn't want to make you drive too far. No, this is perfect. I love Pops. There's there, another, there's more than one. There are a Pops. couple, yeah. It's yeah. like a local chain. There's one in like Orland. Yeah. Yeah, they're all over the place. I've never been. So is this a place you go to? Yeah, we do it. You know, my I'll run in here, get stuff for the family. It's easy. They got everything. You know, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, tamale boats, beef sandwich, beef sandwich, burgers. They got good burgers. All right, now I got. I've been coming here since I was a kid. Seriously? Yeah. All right, I'm guessing this is lighter than the other one. I got the what? Did I get the cheesy beef. Something cheddar sh- beef. Yeah, something that should not it's be like consumed combo. in a car. Feel this. This is. Yeah, that's. This that's, has some heft. Yeah, that's tough. It's like a bag of sand. This is how I do my curls. That's all going to be in your stomach in a minute. No, it's all going to be on the front of my coat in a minute, <laughs> to be totally clear. Uh, this that, is super hot. I can't even touch this right now. I want Italian chicken. Get a look at that. Cheese. The marinara. Marinara. It's weird. I was really sick last week. I had the flu, and it devolved into a sinus infection. Oh, wow. The first thing I was it's hungry be for... sitting in a closed window car with you. I am completely not contagious. I've been to the doctor. I am well. The antibiotics have done their thing. The first thing I craved when I got my appetite back was a meatball sandwich or something like that. Something on a French roll with marinara sauce and yeah. meat. Yeah. I, and I never have cravings like that, but that exact thing you're eating is what I craved about a week ago. And it looks really good. When you get your appetite back, there's always like something that you really want. I remember I had, uh, I had to get a medical procedure, one of those fasting Oh yeah, twenty four hours, and then I went over to. Uh, hey, that wasn't for uh, a meeting with the Irishman Colonoscopy, was it? <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> and I went and had. Um, I went to the original Pancake House, and they have like the best bacon over there, and scrambled eggs, and yeah, man. Well, when you come out of it. Sometimes it's nice to get a good meal. Isn't it true though? When you're sick, when you're just writhing around, you're miserable. You're not eating. You tell yourself. I'm probably losing some weight here. In fact, once I get my appetite back, I'm not going to be an asshole. Right. I'm, going to, I'm going to be responsible with what I eat. My the, buddy says that sometimes. Like, I, I wish I just get the flu. Well, Shed a few pounds. There are times when I think maybe a tapeworm would be awesome. <laughs> that would not be awesome. <laughs> that doesn't go away. Like short term. Right. Like getting rid of that thing. I don't want to look at it. I, I, I understand there are some 
adverse effects to that. But, you know, short term, mm-hmm. wow, this is great. I can have pizza and Italian beef every day. Right. I don't show, I don't show any of it, <laughs> and I don't have to exercise. As high water career marks go, I, I think you hit another one. We could talk about the Letterman appearances, but really appearing side by side with Tony the Tiger in a commercial. Oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. That's running right now. That's I it. lucked out. I got I auditioned for this commercial um, with a ten-year-old girl, and she was like phenomenal. And I kind of just rode her coattails. Like they pair you up with a, and this girl like, I swear, <laughs> each each time we auditioned, I think there were like two or three total auditions, or two total auditions. Three, if you count, like they brought in some people. Um, but each time they were like, great job, Ava. <laughs> Ava, that's so good. And I was just like, keep going, Ava. Uh-huh. Let's get this commercial. So that's a blast. Yeah, it really works out. And I can give her credit for that because I've been paired up with a kid before who's cost me an audition as oh. well. So it cuts both ways. But yeah, it was cool. It was um, my first national spot. We shot it in a house in Deerfield. I ended up uh, knowing the owners of the house. That's weird. So weird. Because they had, like, pictures up, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know That's these people. Weird. And then she came in at the end of the day. It was like a one-day shoot, nine hours. And, um, yeah, it was fun. It, it was uh, it's hysterical watching the commercial now with my kids and then telling them that, yeah, this is my other family. <laughs> my, my secret family. I live with a 10-year-old girl and a cartoon tiger. <laughs> my secret mm-hmm. serial family. Uh, I, do you appreciate what I'm doing here? The, the efforts I'm going to, mm-hmm. to to eat this in the car? It's cumbersome. This It's cumbersome. It's it's greasy. I'm, I'm covered in gravy and cheese. Not a bad thing to be. I'm just saying. It's right. a little bit, little bit tricky in the car. Well, everyone knows what it's like to eat in a car, right? You sh- we should tell them that there's microphones here mm-hmm. that are... Right in our face, coming off the door handle. Yours is off the steering wheel, and it doesn't give you a lot of no elbow room. Well, here's the best part. Well, we're my not s- driving, so it's my seat is actually broken, so I can't move it back. So I'm always stuck like this. Oh, really? Uh huh. There, there's no comfortable position for me. When did you start doing comedy? I started doing stand up in like 2007, in September of 2007. It was my first time ever on stage. It's was was it something light. that you'd always wanted to do? Like, Yeah. Well, not really stand-up, but like, I always wanted to write and be like, I thought of like writing. Mm-hmm. And I did write. I had like stuff written down that I thought was funny. And I just always enjoyed writing. Any kind of writing assignment in school, I used to love creative writing, stuff like that. I respect that. Um, and then, you know... There's no writing gigs in Chicago. There's really no outlet for that, really, unless you just write stuff and keep it to yourself. Right. So I thought about stand-up after that. I've always been a huge stand-up fan as well. And um, I told my now wife, I, I, we had just started dating. It was kind of like one of those like moments, like, All right, I'm going to tell you something, don't laugh at me. <laughs> she was like cool about it. She's like, you should try it. Go to an open mic. Totally supportive. I remember her saying, and, and I still think of it this way, like, anytime, like, she sees somebody crazy famous, mm-hmm. she'll always kind of break it down. Like, where are they from? Like, how'd they start? And then it's a great way to look at things. It's like everybody's from somewhere. Right. And everyone has a beginning. Yeah. So not everyone is... There's plenty of nepotism. There's plenty of, like, connections that help you get along the way. Of course. But there's also people that literally start from nowhere. So you get the call to do your first Letterman appearance. Mm-hmm. 
What goes through your mind? I was really excited. I was nervous, you know. I had plenty of time to think about it, too. <laughs> oh, no good. Because they booked me out like two months in advance. Mm -hmm. And he had said to me, he's like, set's approved, producers are cool with it. Do you want me to spring it on you like a week before, or do you want to know the date? And I said, uh, I want to know the date. Well, that's a tough question. And it, the date was subject to change, too, like right. by, by a week or two. But it ended, up, it ended up not changing. But I was happy that he got me the date because I, like, I could prepare and, you know. The second time I did it, it was sprung on me. And that was, that was kind of came at a real crazy time in my life. So um, it was a totally different experience. I was just, you know. Was not, it not a good experience? It was a great experience, but it was different. It was like more I had perspective. My wife's father had just passed away very suddenly. Oof. Our son was, you know, he's, um, my son was diagnosed with leukemia and was probably like three months after the diagnosis and we were in the real heavy part oh, of man. treatment. So it was kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll just go out there and do it. And it didn't matter as much. Not that it didn't matter as much no, like for it. a career, but it was just like perspective wise. Yeah, perspective wise, it was it was it was uh, it was good in that way. It was I was more relaxed and more in the moment. See, and I ask these questions because I grew up with Dave. Dave was always my guy. Yeah. What was it like? Oh, was man. he approachable? He was um, very genuine. Like I had very limited contact with him. It was after the set each time. I never saw him before the set. Although I did see him before the set, the second time he was running, he ran the stairs in the Ed Sullivan Theater. It was like okay. his workout, and he was like sweating like crazy. I heard this guy running. I thought he was trying to catch the elevator, so I kind of like held the elevator. I was going up to the dressing room, and there he is, and he just kept running. He was just going up the stairs, and um, so it was kind of funny to see him in that situation. He was in between. On Thursdays, they taped two shows, so he was in between the shows getting a big uh, workout in. And then I saw him after the set the second time we had more interaction. The first time just shook my hand, said nice suit. And then second time it was more like came over to me when they were taking my mic off and was, you know, had a nice compliment. And then saw him afterwards just kind of hanging by uh, some of the producers. But he does not interact like some of these hosts do. I have, fr I have friends that have done the other shows and they come to the green room, they get pictures, they get... But that's just not Dave. He's he's more of a uh, more of an introvert, as I understand. Oh, completely. And I apologize. What people who are listening can't see is how disgusting it looks to eat a wet beef sandwich while trying to talk on microphone. So, I apologize for any lasting images you take away from this experience. I, it, it is not an elegant process. It is not a pretty process. It's different. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I feel gross. People love chewing sounds. So anytime you can chew in people's ears. That is a ear, fact. Oh, man, bring it on. Mouth sounds are, that's what I have. Like some people listen to the sounds of the rainforest. I just have, I listen to <laughs> mouth sounds when I go to sleep. Just if you can smack your lips. Yeah, I prefer, there's a there's one where it's just, it's old old mouth sounds. It's people that they take their teeth out and they just. Oh, yes. And if you can add some grunting as you do it, that, I mean, okay. that is just peace. That is calm. That is tranquil. That is everything you want. I have a problem because when I eat, I eat fast. <coughs> I do too. So I'll just knock this out. I hardly ever put it down. I do. Well, how, how do you not weigh like 5,000 pounds? I don't know. Do you work out? Do you take the stairs? I take the stairs, yeah. I park far away. <laughs> That's it. That's when you know you're getting old, when you start doing things like that for exercise. I'll park further away or, yeah, I'll take the stairs. No, I, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I'm pretty active. I used to be more active than I am. I used to work out more, but... I have this Fitbit now. I got this for Father's Day last year. Oh, yeah? I thought if you just put it on, you'd start to lose weight. That was kind of how that worked, but <laughs> you actually have to do stuff. I was uh, at the radio station yesterday, and I was working a, a long day, and it was like... 8.30 at night, and my wrist started vibrating. I'm like, what's going on? 10,000 steps. That must, that must be wrong. That couldn't have possibly happened. I, I was not active at all today. Clearly, there's a mistake. I think I probably did, but oh, really? I'm so not used to that feeling. Yeah. 10,000 steps. Yeah, it's good to walk around. Like I don't walk as much as I used to living out here. It's not suburbia, but we do use our cars more than when I was living like on the north side. But it's like, you can rack up 10,000 pretty easy. I love coming to this area because, um, was it Top Notch Burgers? Dude, I was we should have gone there. But that's not really a to go place. I love Top Notch. That is my favorite. Those diner place. T- diner oh. style burgers, those are so good. And of course Rainbow Cone, I still adore. Rainbow Cone's legit. I like Foxes out here, Foxes Pizza. There's a place I drove by not far down Kedzie. It's like a chili and ice cream diner that looked kinda cool to me. Down here? Yeah. Lindy's? Yeah, that's Yeah, I've was. never really been in there. It, it looked cool from the outside. Yeah, like, people to- like totally it. Totally old school. Yeah, people do like it. It's a good spot. Yeah, we got some good places out here. So you have mentored other comics. Uh, you've done it on your show on WTTW. What does it take to take someone with no experience and get them up on stage? Is it just getting rid of any fear, just kind of? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's always like, even now today, like, when I get people come up to me after a show and say, oh, I've always wanted to try stand-up. It's like, I get it. Like, sometimes people just, I think, say that because they don't know what to say. But also, I feel like even with people, when we did that show on Channel 11, it's like, just go to an open mic. Go see what's out there. There are plenty of people that are trying it mm-hmm. and doing it and maybe not doing it that great or doing it that well, but they're trying. I feel like so fear, I feel like that breaks down the fear right away. It's like you see people and you're like, well, I could at least do that, or I could be more prepared than that, or I can be, you know, I've thought those same things. You know, you, you don't you don't want to, like, tell someone to watch Jim Gaffigan or Brian Regan. Like, you want to try stand-up? Watch this guy. No, those guys are pros. They're incredible. You want to watch, you know... You want to see mistakes, right? Go to a go to a mic, and even like you know the working comics, we we go through that too. We go through those nights where we struggle. You have to. You got to go out and try new stuff and just die, like that. That happens to me, like more than more than often. You know, that's has that, part of it. Has that toughened you up? Has that callous? No, you? it's still <laughs> awful. It's still. I'm more willing to do it. I know the process now, mm-hmm. um, and it's easier to hide. It's easier to hide those struggle moments you know you can do stuff that you know works before and you can do stuff that you know works after which it's like it provides you some cover but it's also like it's still painful it's still and it takes you out of your rhythm because sure when you're doing new stuff you know know what comes after it and when you're doing new stuff you're thinking about it when you're while you're doing old stuff you're like doing your old bit and you're like okay after this i'm gonna try that new bit when and how does it go again you're kind of thinking about it before sure. you know so it's uh it's fun it's fun to analyze it but it's uh it's painful <laughs> I, I can see that and what you just described that talking on microphone i experienced this you know when i did talk radio you, you're talking down one path and it, it's it's very hard for me to describe but your brain is going in a completely different direction yeah. the words are coming out of your mouth but, but you're thinking about something else. you're and, steps ahead of 
it is it is almost like this disembodied feeling. Right. But here's the thing, I think that if you are doing stand up and you're doing that too often, then you're not getting the most out of your jokes because you're not like really in it. Yeah. And I feel like have you know, not to bring up my other podcast, um but Please I do. I do a podcast with the White Sox and I feel like you know, you, this is something you could run into during during radio. Is it's bad to do that when you're interviewing someone mm-hmm. because then you're not active, actively listening, right, and responding to what they're saying. Because I've done that where I'll be interviewing some someone for that White Sox podcast, and I'll I'll be like, what else did I want to talk to them about? Oh yeah, I want to bring that up, and I want to go here with them. Meanwhile, they could be saying something. You, you miss an opportunity to, to go in a different yeah. direction. Yeah. So it's, sometimes uh, the doors open that you didn't even foresee, and it's like, right. oh, I should chase that down. So I think that the, <coughs> I I don't know. The takeaway is like be over prepared so that you can be in the moment. You have a very uh, laid back style on stage. Is is that something you came to, or was that were you always kind of that? Was your voice always your voice? Was it always there? No, no. I think I developed that, and still am. I still. You know, I've only been doing it, you know, I say I started in 07, but really full-time 2010, so I'm still, like, haven't been doing it as long as a lot of people, so you're still always evolving and finding your voice. I can be pretty aggressive, like, you may have seen TV clips, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty laid back in that. Very much. But when I'm in a club, you know... I like to mess around with the crowd a little bit, and and even that's changing. I'm trying not to do that as much as I used to. Tell me why. Um, I want to develop material more. Mm -hmm. I love messing with the crowd. I still will do it, but you know, you're not going to do crowd work on TV. I mean, unless I did like a crowd work. um, Yeah, I'm not known enough to do that Mm -hmm. on TV. So I don't know. I feel like material is how you get. You know, you want to do albums you want to do shows and you want to you know that's what you do on tv and you know i got like a i did do one album and i have it on sirius xm and you know that's that's another revenue stream too if you can get sure you know so it's like you got to pound out material and write and write and write and that's kind of what i want to do that's i think what great comics do is they produce material what makes you laugh oh man everything i i'm i love to laugh as Dude, that video the other day, I mean, it's so almost hack now to bring it up, but the one with the um, the BBC guy and the kids broke oh, up. Yeah. There. I mean, I was, I was laughing so hard. Um, I was watching, you know, I never saw, I never saw Step Brothers. You know, when I started stand-up, I kind of, like, stepped out of some of pop culture, as much as, like, that's what we're supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I just didn't go to the movies as much or watch as many shows, and then all of a sudden I was married, and then all of a sudden I had kids, and that takes up all your time. So you're yeah. not, like, because you're working nights. So I never was watching a ton of shows. Right. I never saw Step Brothers. So I'm flipping through yesterday, and I only caught, like, the last hour. It's like I just got my kids to school and dropped one at the babys- babysitter, and I'm, like, flipping through because I like to write in the morning, but I was like that I was going to turn the TV off and that caught my eye. I'm like, let me watch this for like 45 minutes. You know? <laughs> oh my God. I was dying. So I like, I, I don't know. And I love stand up too. I love, you know, um, who are some of the stand ups I really like right now? Bill well, Burr. I really like, and, uh, you know, I'll listen to podcasts. I think are funny. Jimmy Pardo has got a funny podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a funny dude. Um, Kathleen Madigan has a new special out. Very funny. Well, talk about Chicago specifically. Tell me about the relative strength or weakness of the Chicago comedy scene. 
Oh, it's strong. It's it's evolving though. It's always um you know, I saw someone say the other day the talent in Chicago is like a renewable resource cuz you lose comics every year. It's really every few years. There's I think a generation in comedy is probably like 5 years, 3 to 5 years. And eventually there's a ceiling in Chicago, so people leave. They go to New York or LA and the new comics come through. Um there's some legends here that are just like pillars of the comedy community that that for whatever reason some left and came back some never left um and those people i i really respect and when i started as a as a house mc at zanies i was exposed to them and learned a lot from them and then the comedy scene in general has probably never been stronger in terms of like places to go on stage to get up like there are so many independent rooms and showcase rooms and open mics and there's more clubs than there ever were um, I mean, I'm a Zanies guy, but there's the Laugh Factory is here now. Um, there's Comedy Bar. There's a few other ones that that are doing well, and there's just plenty of places to see stand up comedy. And you know, it's uh, it just makes sense. Yeah, I, I want to go out and have fun tonight. I want to laugh. Okay, right. I think Netflix helped stand up comedy a ton. I could see started that. putting out specials. Um, satellite radio podcasts because podcasts a lot of stand-ups have podcasts or they have stand-ups as guests so there's been a shot in the arm to stand-up comedy probably in the last five years that it's noticeable from from when i started so we're recording this uh, just before saint patrick's day uh i just got my tickets for the Sox brewers exhibition game at miller park oh did you really when are they playing uh it's friday the oh right before opening day right they go there and then they come down Yeah. yeah yeah That's great. I, I'm a Sox fan. You're involved with the Sox. Mm-hmm. What's that been like? What's that relationship? Oh, been it's like? been cool. You know, I started with them. I made like a cold call there, and I talked to Christine O'Reilly, who runs Chicago Charity or Chicago White Sox Charities, mm-hmm. and they do so many great things in the community. And um, we talked about doing like a variety show, and then we kind of put it on hold, and then we revisited it, and we did it. We did a, a variety style comedy show with players and players' wives, and um, we just can, we just hit it off. We we started doing a couple things at at Sox Fest, and then um, a guy there had an idea. We were both talking after the, the White Sox golf outing, and we we're like, "What about what if we did a podcast?" We got you know so many people coming through the stadium like to throw out the first pitch sure. or sing the anthem, and then you got the players, then you got the ex players, and you got the broadcasters, and you, the owners, and the front office. So it's like this endless list of guests or potential guests now if we could get some of them to say <laughs> to say yes they'd do it um we no we do get plenty of them but um, i'm sure on game day things are a little nuts. oh yeah that's crazy yeah but no it's it's a really for me it's kind of like one of those pinch yourself yeah. uh, moments because it's like god i you know but it, t- it does take away some of that too like you know when you get older and you have kids you don't look at sports the same way as you used to or if you're doing, even since I started doing stand-up, I think I just, you look at things differently, you know? Your priorities are different. So while I still love the, sh- the White Sox, it's not like, you know, I used to ruin my day when they lost, you know? <laughs> right. And I was I had season tickets like in 05, 06, 07. Um, and then, again, started stand-up, so I, I stopped doing season tickets. But um, the... Uh, the fact that I'm there now as as someone who kind of does a lot with them and I can go in there and have access to some of the, the players, it's it's cool. 
I got to take batting practice there. Get out. Yeah, I got to do um, Mike Hoff, who runs the uh, White Sox development part of uh, they have like the at Sox Bulls Academy. Mm-hmm. He, I met him at an event, and uh, that I was performing at, and we we sat together and we're talking, and then he was like, "Come by and." Take some swings. They had like a corporate sponsor out there, and then he had me come out just what before. What a blast! Oh, it was cool. I, it was I cool. took my son to like one of their camps there. Oh yeah, the one, the one in Lyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. My nephew's out there playing in the at the the Sox Academy out there. Oh my god, my my son is now fifteen. He's a freshman in high school. Wow, Base, baseball just started, and that is cons- all consuming. Yeah, it's like eh, three four games a week. Practice every day. Saturday. I mean that's. That's my life. It's the, insane. It, it's insane. Through June, that that is my life. How many kids you got? Two. I've got a 15 year old and a 10 year old. Oh, good for you, man. So we're both pretty busy. You got an early start, huh? I, well, I'm not as young as you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but still, you you look like you're. Thank you. Young. You're very kind. Well, I'm, I'm trying to uh, cancel that out by eating giant Italian beef sandwiches. <laughs> right. I'm trying to prematurely age myself. <laughs> yeah, you can do that in the Chicago <laughs> diet. Oh my God, it's so true. All right, so uh, if people want to find you, and they should, uh, where should they go? Uh, I'm on Twitter at McGann Pat is my Twitter handle. I'm on Facebook, and my website is patmcgannedy.com. I post dates up there. I don't know when okay. you're going to post this. But uh, let, be... Let's say this is live on the 20th. Okay. What do I have coming up? I'm going to be at uh, <coughs> Mother Macaulay High School on April 1st for a fundraiser there, and I'm plugging that show because it's going to be nice. I got Anna Belavov from WGN is going to mm-hmm. be there, and it's Who in you a theater. With on Channel 11. Yep. And John DeCoss, who's on uh, Steve Cochran's show, and that will be um, in the theater. So it'll be a nice setting. And then I am hitting the road. I'm opening for. Uh, you're familiar with Sebastian Maniscalco? Not really. He's um, a pretty well known comic, and he was on a podcast like this. He was on uh, with Seinfeld. Oh, was he really? Okay. He's in cars getting coffee. <laughs> yeah, so he's pretty big. So anyway, I'm opening for him. We're touring. A uh, few cities, in, you know, we're doing like a run in Texas. We're doing a run out in the Northeast, and then we're doing that's um, awesome. Yeah, we're doing a run in Florida. He's got like a tour bus, and I've never done that, so it'll be an experience. I heard the tour bus thing can be overrated, you know, trying to sleep on the bus and everything. But I could sleep anywhere. So, oh my god, I could sleep in a movie. Yeah, I mean seriously, if if the movie's in any way boring, I'm out. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, kids, it's dark. <laughs> You're sitting still. All we do is run around. It's so true. The like second maniacs. the lights go out, yeah. good night, nurse. Oh, I'm, I'm out of here. You. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Thanks James. No, I appreciate it, man. It's fun.